Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Downton Gabby. You are listening to the Downton Abbey second season auxiliary viewing society. And first meet the ladies. I'm Rachel Horwitz. I'm in Oakland. Uh, I'm Teresa Schechter from Brooklyn. I am Brandy Sperry from Seattle. And I'm Shannon Bowen, also from Oakland. So I read this article by Elizabeth Rapp, uh, who was talking about her dream casting, and they are considering making Downton Abbey a movie. And if they made the American version, kind of like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo doing the American version of it, you know, who would you cast as what character? Discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Sandra Bullock as Cora. But if it's the American version, do you have to get a Brit to play Cora and everyone else is American? No, no, no. I, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Michelle Pfeiffer as Cora. Okay, I can almost see that. I can almost see that. Have Have you guys seen the parody videos that I posted on Tumblr? Oh my god, they're yes. amazing. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. <laughs> she nails it. She nails that Cora impersonation. She nailed it. Yeah. It's the it's the head tilt. I realized watching it. It's all about the Cora head tilt. Like your head is about to roll off your body. Fluttering <laughs> eyes. And it's, it's only like, your pursed lips that are keeping them on your shoulders. Well, I was thinking the one that looks and sounds the most like Sybil, but I hate her, is Scarlett Johansson. Oh yeah. yeah. But you know, I don't hate Scarlett Johansson, but I don't think she would be quite right for that <laughs> part. I would love it if she was a maid, though. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is like everyone wants to see her in a maid outfit. That's already <laughs> like, that's like every dude's fantasy. No, I don't want that to happen ever. Walking around with that feather duster. I just meant that it would be fun to watch her like silk around, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I, mean, this is kind of delightful to think about and yet terrifying at the same time because, I mean, they would probably, yeah, be casting Rachel's favorite Jessica Biel yeah. as oh, Mary God. or something. Um, and they would probably try to convince us that, like, Amanda Seyfried or someone who I, who I like is, like, deeply unattractive and cast her as Edith. And it would be, you know- like... Are you kidding me that nobody's gonna pay any attention to Amanda Seyfried? Like, there's that we need. There's no other American actress that looks like George Washington the way that <laughs> the Edith one does. Oh, I think Mr. Bates. I think Mr. Bates could be Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was thinking Liam Neeson as Lord Grantham. <laughs> oh, okay. Liam Neeson is firmly on the road to action hero superstar. <laughs> I think his period drama days are are well behind him. <laughs> well, this, if it's American, everybody's going to be like approximately right? 10 years younger than their parents. Like, yeah, totally. No one, no one over the age of 50 in the whole cast, you know, so. Like Nicole Kidman is the dowager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think a cautionary tale for not doing this movie, American actors doing a Downton Abbey movie, is the other Boolean girl. Because 
the, that movie <laughs> was Bolin. so oh, cool. Wait, <laughs> wait, what did I say? Bolin girl. <laughs> Bolin girl. <laughs> I was just having a conversation about Boolean logic earlier today. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like soup cubes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was just a total brain fart from a from an even nerdier conversation from earlier today. <laughs> no, but what you're saying, Rachel, is true because I love that book and that was a horrible movie. Well, horrible. because Natalie Americans, Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson are thoroughly modern, you know? Well, just- I hate I this is why I hate Natalie Portman actually is because she ruined Anne Boleyn to such a degree that I, it's unforgivable. Oh, like Natalie Portman. They'd probably do that to our beloved Downton Abbey characters now. Well, obviously the American version would have a musical episode because we just can't resist musical episodes. Well, this episode is musical. Right. That's true. We do get uh, some musical action in this episode uh, where... They are putting on a concert to keep the men's morale going, I guess, is what this particular concert is for. There was another concert earlier that was for fundraising, but this one's just for morale, I think. (laughs) Yeah, watching both of these concerts makes me really excited that I lived in the era of rock music. Because they both (laughs) are just so boring. It's just like, yeah, this is really going to lift my morale. Oh, I'm totally opposite. I was like, how pleasant how wonderful (laughs) is this i love this episode could love this episode more i really love mary's line where she's just like oh yeah it's a great concert if you don't mind like singers who can't sing and she's just insulting herself which is like the first time that such a thing has ever happened (laughs) it's just great just great i i just like seeing mary and edith getting along it's just sweet it warms my heart that they're singing together. It's like, wow, war really makes weird things happen. Like <laughs> the Mary, Crawley sisters. The Crawley sisters. You'll never see this again. What does Cora say? That's a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love yes. that Mary's like this perfect catch. You know, she's this beautiful, refined woman, and she doesn't have one of the top three skills, which is singing. And I love that she's not perfect. What are the other two skills? Oh, let's see. Singing, playing piano, and and or needlepoint or um, painting. Oh, yeah. Or silhouette drawing. That's what they're always doing <laughs> in Jane Austen. <laughs> God, if there was no such thing as TV, I would have so many more skills, guys. <laughs> yeah. If I were the lady of a house nowadays... If all the rules were the same, except we had all the technology we had, it'd be so funny to be like, she works on her Tumblr <laughs> in the afternoons. <laughs> she makes YouTube tri- tribute videos. She's quite yeah. good at it. <laughs> it's a gift, truly. It is. Oh my gosh, the best, though, speaking of Edith and Mary getting along, is no one can quite believe that Edith has turned over a new leaf. I love when the when Mary's like, Edith told me, I know Matthew's missing. And the Earl's like, I suppose it was too good not to say anything. <laughs> like, And Mary says back to him, like, no, no, she really meant it from the heart. Like, she wanted me yeah. to know. Believe it or not, I think she was actually caring about me. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and people, 
people say this stuff to her when Mary's like, I actually believe you. And Edith has the best look on her face. She just never says anything. Her reaction, though, in the face is so funny. She's like, okay, great. So do you think Edith had this total revelation after dealing with the guy that lost his hand? Do you think that was the turning point that she was like, wait, maybe I shouldn't be a total bitch to my sister all the time? I don't know. It would be interesting to try and and pinpoint her exact moment of sort of uh, turning over a new leaf. But it does seem like the show has been trying to tell us that um, it's just one thing after another, kind of. Like, she keeps getting interested in things and, and losing them. Or things that she never could have had in the first place, like farmer with a wife and now and she has a little meal. bit of a sense never of... got that bone meal <laughs> i don't know if they ever got to town and got the bone meal i'm still really hung up on that <laughs> but, but now she finally has like a purpose you know the fetching of the books and such and it seems to really be helping her yeah she reads people their mail stuff like that did we lose Teresa? no i'm here okay i'm oh, just okay. listening to you just all usually because... you always have something it's... to defend it <laughs> I know. No, no, Teresa, it's fine. What do you think about Edith? <laughs> no, no, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for her to be disappointed again. I don't think Edith can win. I think. Edith not this is... season. This is not her season. It's I don't not her but season. But Edith's going to win in the end. I think Edith, in the end, is going to have the best situation out of all of them. Probably okay. she's going to be like the only one who can sort of follow that maxim of like, you should be looking for something that is going to be satisfactory in the long run and not so concerned with like passion. I mean, that's kind of where Mary is right now with this Sir Richard thing, except he is not satisfying in the long run. So maybe she'll become a Rockefeller or something exciting. You know, Edith will just dash off like a reverse heiress. Do you know what I just learned? Julian Fellows um, started writing this because he read a book about all the American heiresses that were going to England to marry the, the aristocracy. The Buccaneers. Oh, like the Buccaneers, yeah. Yeah. And he's, he said 350 heiresses married into the British aristocracy. That's crazy. Well, that Isn't actually that... brings that brings up a really interesting part of the episode where the countess talks to mary about how families are gonna fall and are falling right and mary and her new money guy are going to sweep in and get a really good deal on like a manor in foreclosure or something <laughs> an estate a fallen you, family's estate a fallen family and you get you kind of learn through this episode and and it goes to what the role cora played earlier that these families, they seem so powerful and strong, but I guess they're on weak ground after all. Yeah, and even even if Matthew were to inherit um, the estate, like they couldn't guarantee that he would do a good job running it. Like these things always seem one generation away from ruin. Well, uh, the Dowager starts asking questions about um making awkward friendships during wartime <laughs> yeah war breaks down barriers and you know sybil's so pretty she just has to have a secret bow somewhere again fuck edith nothing's going on with her <laughs> no one's concerned about edith no one even even suspected her and the farmer didn't even suspect not even a little bit like everyone's just like oh edith she's weird she wants to pull stumps out of the ground <laughs> 
But it's very convenient, yeah, when uh, the dowager is just like, yeah, have you se- have you seen anything suspicious about Sybil? And like two scenes later, Mary walks up on Branson and Sybil talking <laughs> and is like, what was all that about? And Sybil's basically like, none of your business and flounces off very effectively. Yeah. And then later, Sybil's the worst poker face. She's like, nothing's happened. I, not that I've let it. We haven't kissed. <laughs> Not that he's asked me. Okay, fine. He asked me if we would kiss. Okay, fine. It was a proposal. Okay, fine. But don't tell dad. Okay, fine. He wants me to run away with him. But, okay. But it's (laughs) It's no no big deal, Mary God. Leave me alone. No big, guys. No big. I I love to Granny at the table when she's talking to Sybil. Did you guys catch this line? She says, we've all done it. We've all. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The Dowager Countess must have quite the past. I mean, I she keeps so. alluding to things. It's fabulous. Oh, yeah, I think like she, she had the... was a catch. She was a total tease back in the day. Totally. And <laughs> whatever war this Africa in Africa or whatever, when she was a kid, she's clearly she was like, well, all the men are away. Who to flirt with? Someone, <laughs> yeah. someone downstairs. And when the real guys came back, it was awkward. It was like, okay, I know we played chess, but it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we and we get some other um, mixing of the ranks, too, speaking of downstairs, with um, Ethel and her inappropriate flirtation with... Ethel. What's his name? Uh, Major uh, Mustache. Captain Bryant, Bryant or something. Major Bryant. Major oh. Mustachio. I like Major yeah. Mustachio better. Major Mustachio. I don't. I think that that Jillian Fellows must have been really busy with like, um, you know, press junkets or something when he wrote that Ethel storyline because it's like you see Ethel flirting with an officer in the first act, you know that they're going to be caught in bed in the third act. I mean, it's kind of like, wow, what a surprise! And then, oh, I'm so surprised she's pregnant. I never would have seen that coming. Never would have seen that coming. <clears throat> to be fair, in the episode before this, we did see her tucking him into his wheelchair with the blanket or whatever. <laughs> and they make, like, the world's dumbest pun with the word tucking. Like, they're like, I might need some more tucking later, Ethel. I'm starting to get kind of British about these things because when she opens the door, I mean, I knew the sex was coming, but when she opens the door and I saw, like, naked people on my screen, I was pretty shocked because I just... Not since the Turk has anyone been naked on this. <laughs> well, they're not even that naked. It's like, oh, I saw a shoulder. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I'm a like, shoulder is shocking at this point, though. It is. I was like, oh, Lord, cover your eyes, dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mrs. Hughes' line, though. I may not be a woman of the world, but I don't live in a sack. Like... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Hughes. <laughs> Ethel became a cliche faster than, you know, I can say milady because she's to- <laughs> she's totally that archetype that's like, I'm getting out of this crap situation. Eat my dust. This man is my ticket out of this town. And you're like, nope, you're going to be pregnant and a prostitute pretty soon. So Ethel put us in a little bit of a bad mood, which seems like a good time to go next to our weekly segment called Fuck You, Mr. Bates. My favorite. Yay, Shannon. 
big hit on the internet. I think a lot of people are getting pretty tired of Mr. Bates and his antics lately. And in this episode, there's all everyone's, you know, there's all the rumors that he's in town. He's working at a pub. And you would expect Anna to be the most anxious about him returning and missing him. But no, the saddest one of all, the, the person whose heart skips a beat every time the name is whispered is Lord Grantham. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, and so that brings us to this. To Mr. Bates this week is all about the bromance between Lord Grantham and Bates. <laughs> Wait, they even when... get sad violin music. They get sad violin music. <laughs> <laughs> has Lang lost it already? Has oh, he? Yeah, yeah. Lang went away, and in this episode, Mosley is kind of like coming in and being oh. like Ugh, taking Mosley. over the the valet duties. Mr. Um, Mosley is like Luna Lovegood. I mean, I just feel like I'm rooting for them, and they're just so painfully awkward. You know, yeah, and then that yeah. great scene with Mosley and the cook where they're like, there goes Lord Grantham's valet, you know? And then <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Bird, right? She's like, and then they just collapse into giggles, and it's so funny. And then, the, like, he buys Lord Grantham a new kind of shoehorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so pathetic. Oh my god, that was so pathetic. Good idea. I'll take that. Because of course Bates shows up back at Downton, you know, of course. Lord Grantham goes and pours his heart out, bromance style, and then and then Bates is all, Well, I guess if you want me to come back, Lord, I guess if you say once again how much you want me there, then I'll come. Oh my fuck you, Mr. Bates. Fuck you, Mr. Bates, and fuck you, you know, Earl. Wait, 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 guys, if they were going to do a YouTube tribute video, it'd be, <laughs> I want you to want me, <laughs> I need you to need me. But their conversation, their, con- their conversation is so, well, no, but I was wrong. No, no, I was wrong. No, but I should have told you the whole truth. Well, I should have assumed the truth. Well, I should have been more yeah. honest. Well, I should have assumed you're such a wonderful person. Why did I ever doubt you? I was like... Oh. But then Lord Grantham's like, so what What was the truth? What was the big deal? And he's like, nothing to trouble you with, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have this theory about being Lord Grantham's valet. You know how at Hogwarts, there's the professor of defense <laughs> against the dark arts and they only last a year? <laughs> I think being Lord Grantham's valet is the same. You're just doomed in that job. It's gonna happen to you. It is one of the most awkward jobs on the show, and that I've ever heard of. I never knew what a valet was before I saw this show. No, totally. Like that's a, like Matthew couldn't even get used to the idea. He's like letting another man dress me. What is this? <laughs> How erotic! Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess because the clothes were so complicated, but it's just a little, you know, and I mean, you can see how O'Brien and Bates become close to the Granthams because they're in these intimate positions, you know, of buttoning them and hoifing their hair. And... <laughs> Step into your underpants, my lady, one <laughs> at a time. <laughs> Oh man! Don't tell me all your secrets. I just washed your bloomers. Let's get those on. 
Oh. Uh, oh dear. Oh my god. That's so wrong. Laughter. Can you met the show is also very funny about the foreshadowing. I love when Anna and Mr. Bates have their moment at the end. She's like, Well, you need to get used to these feelings of love and optimism because things are only up from here. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh right. I'm sure. Because Nothing this time is gonna happen. <laughs> I'm sure that Vera's gonna take the money and leave this time. Because <laughs> She didn't last time and caused trouble, but this time I'm going to give her the exact same offer, and I know she's going to take it. Because outsmarting Vera is a Mr. Bates specialty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so what if I went, went to jail, to jail for, her? for her? He's totally one. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's actually, okay, I'm a big Bates and a hater, but actually the one moment that I like is when they're you know, cutesy smiling at each other in the hallway and she's like, you better get used to being happy. And it's like actually really cute. And my heart got a little warm. It was an mm. answer. Fuck you, Bates moment. So. Wow. Well, now we know what melts Shannon's cold, dark heart. <laughs> you know what else melted my heart is when Matthew comes in the door and the look on Mary's face. We haven't even talked about that, and that's, like, the main point of this episode is that Matthew and William were missing the whole time. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Mary's face when he comes in is... That's uh, sweet. I mean, that's what you live for in love stories, is that face. I think that, I'll admit, this was the first Downton Abbey episode I cried. <gasps> I got Misty, too! I did, I got Misty. Oh, totally. There's nothing the like a sing-along to make you get Misty. Totally. I forgot first, first misty-eyed in the soup kitchen. Oh yeah, that was really good. I really liked that little storyline. I thought that was excellent. yeah, Mrs. Patmore. If we can't feed a few of our soldiers, then I don't know what. Like, I like I like her in this storyline a lot. And then O'Brien tries to like scheme to get them in trouble, and she's of course foiled again at the end because <laughs> Lady Grantham totally. Um, supports them in their endeavors and makes O'Brien help. <laughs> how many how many servants have stolen from the from Downton Abbey now? <laughs> but Cora, we have to talk about her and Isabel this episode because she's loving it. She's kind of hit her stride running the house and taking care of people and being kind of taking over what Isabel used to do, which is, you know, roll up her sleeves and let's do the soup kitchen. That's true. Totally. I mean, it's really painful when Cora tells Isabel to go. I mean, oh, it is. Is, uh, my heart just broke for Isabel. I just, oh. was so awkward about it. She's like, I really mean it. No, but I really, I'll go right now. I really will. And you're like, oh, it's yeah. terrible. Like, because she thinks that she's earned a place in the family that maybe she hasn't actually earned from this interaction. Yeah, you feel bad because you don't want Isabel to want Cora to like her so much. Yeah. You know, speaking of the servants getting away with, like, way too much, I was, like, shocked the way that Branson was talking to Sybil. when he's like, run away with me. And she's like, but I have my work. And he's like, fuck your work. Who cares about your work? It's all about yeah. me now. He, did, he refers to her work as bringing hot drinks to a lot of Randy officers. And I was like... That I really stopped liking you in that moment, Branson. Like, and it was just so harsh. You really want Sybil to just give him the hand and walk away at that moment. 
or like, like my, a really good dramatic face slap something but instead you're just you're just crumpled the idea that he would say this about her and then she would still be considering loving him it's yeah. an interesting comparison between Matthew and Mary and Sybil and Branson too because I legitimately I got weepy because I feel the heat and the chemistry between the the Mary and Matthew and I just I don't feel it with Branson and Sybil at all nothing well what I love about Matthew and Mary is they really want each other to be the best that they can be and they believe in that and and you kind of believe that with Branson and then when he says that it's like oh you just want this prize you just want this beautiful heiress you know to say that you won her over and you brought her over this bohemian lifestyle Instead of really loving her and wanting her to be the best that she can be, which we've already established is the prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, needs she to go to college. Be a prime minister if she's like spitting out babies. I hate the part too when she's talking to Mary about it and she's like, I don't know if I like him. He says I like him, but I just don't know if I like him. Yeah. Oh, that makes me crazy. Yeah, it's like every rom-com that's been made over the last five years. I know you're being an asshole to me, but I think that you meet that means you love me. Well, yeah. clearly Gerard Butler is going to have to play Branson in the movie <laughs> version. Oh my you god, to be a little yes. bit slutty and a little bit virginal. Yeah. And fuck your work. Fuck your work. Fuck no your, work. your work. Only yeah. the old point only. So um, I, I jumped onto YouTube and believe it or not, there is a Mr. Bates and Lord Grantham tribute video already on YouTube. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> and they do refer to it as a bromance. Um, yes. But is it to the tune of I want you to want me? No, it's to, to Beta Radio's I Lost My Way. Hmm. And I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who that is. Well, yeah, once again, good, good job, internet. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Internet. Way to go. We should do a Dear Diary for some of the characters. Like for this episode, what, what did they write in their diary? Sybil, Dear Diary, I think I like him, but I hate him. Cora's oh, like, yeah. Dear Diary, thank God that bitch is gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think O'Brien's going to have the best Dear Diary. She's going to be like, Dear Diary, more people stealing and no one cares. <laughs> She's like what Sue Sylvester. someone else fired around here? Oh my God, Jane Lynch as Mrs. O'Brien. <gasps> yes. Awesome. Oh my God. Oh my that's God. Oof. It is like that's Sue Sylvester's diary. Sue Sylvester. <laughs> that's oof of... of of uh, Downton Abbey and the hair. The oh, Brian's hair! <laughs> my hair is knitted! <laughs> oh, her hair and that spoof. Oh, my God. It I is out amazing. Loud. Okay, but it looks like it's filmed at the same set. And, I mean, it looks like it's, like, there's money put into that spoof, which is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's, it's BBC, which is not the, the network that Downton Abbey is on, by the way. <laughs> It's like NBC, like, doing this huge spoof of a show on CBS. <laughs> it's so weird. 
I realize I realize recently, you guys, because I'm so used to TVs, you know, really high quality these days and some of the best acting and drama or whatever in writing you'll find on television versus the movies. So I've had no no embarrassment over the past several years saying like, oh, yeah, I watched Mad Men. It's a really great show. I'm watching Breaking Bad. And it's so funny with Downton Abbey because people are like, oh, Downton Abbey, is that on HBO? And I'm like, oh, it's mass, ma- Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> Hey, but people should be watching Sherlock because that's also <gasps> a masterpiece theater show, and that is love, brilliant. Love Sherlock. But the the mysteries are great, and obviously Benedict Cumberbatch is just amazing, and and the cast is the whole cast is great. So. Is that really his name? Because that sounds like a type of popery. Benedict. Benedict. It's really his name. <laughs> yeah, it's the best name ever. Somebody said it was, oh, I wish I could remember where I read this, but it was like an American star being named like barbecue action film or something. <laughs> like it's, just, it's the absolute most British thing you could possibly be named, right? That's amazing. Barbecue action, barbecue action film. <laughs> Football Mc, McMuffin. Exactly. Okay, and so I think that wraps up this episode of the Downton Gabby podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Um, We are equally as rowdy online at Downton Gabby on Twitter. We're also at Downton Gabby at Tumblr.com where we post all the latest news and information and gossip about the show Um, and we're also on Facebook so find us there ask us a question we are watching and we'll try to answer them until next week thank you for listening